Well, a year ago, we launched this podcast as a way to connect the industry during a pandemic. Since then, this show has become a cornerstone of our communication efforts at USHBC and one that we hope can continue to serve everyone who works in the business of blueberries. That's that's really satisfying because that's that's really moving the the scale a little bit and trying to really encourage people to begin to develop solutions for our day-to-day problems out there. Today's episode is all about what you can expect in season two of this podcast. I'm joined by Rod Cook, Alicia Adler, Jill Schofield, and Tim Hammerich to talk about what's ahead for the Business of Blueberries podcast. This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, this is officially our first episode of season two of this podcast. So what does that mean for you? Well, not much will change in the way that we'll continue to bring you this show each and every week, committed to sharing knowledge and insights across the blueberry industry. But it also means that we have gone through the process of reflecting on our first full year of this show, compiling your feedback from the listener survey and putting together a plan to make this podcast even bigger and better in its second year. Today's episode is going to be all about inviting you into that process by sharing some of our team's highlights from year one, the results of that listener survey, and what you can expect from the second season of the show. So joining me today on this episode will be a few familiar voices who all continue to play an important role in the production of this podcast. We're going to cover the results of the listener survey as we go along in today's episode. And I'll start off by telling you that all of the questions that we asked about changing the episode's length, its frequency, and the format were overwhelmingly answered that we should keep those parts largely the same. The person who has been helping me with those pieces from day one has been our producer, Tim Hemmerich. He has been producing podcasts and agriculture for the past five years And you've heard him fill in for me over the holidays to host episode 28. So I thought it would be interesting to get his perspective as someone who's been with every part of the show from day one on the first year of the business of blueberries. So Tim, maybe we start off by telling everyone who may not know what a podcast producer does. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, a podcast producer is someone who makes it sound like Casey just turns on the mic with the guest and makes the magic happen just naturally. So anything behind the scenes as far as helping to facilitate getting the guest ready, editing the podcast once it's done, it goes through actually two rounds of pretty intense edits and putting it all together so it fits sort of a story arc. Well, and I will say that it's often that I share with any of our guests before an interview that, you know, the person that's going to make this all sound like it should And like we know what we're talking about is Tim. So it's been fantastic, actually, because I think, you know, it's the comment I get most about the show as it comes together and how it sounds when it's all together from a guest that we've had on who said, wow, that 
that was great. I really appreciated seeing the back end of that. So you've been doing that, not just for our show, but you've also been the host of other podcasts. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think about from the week in and week out of, of putting these podcasts together for us is that as you do it for your shows and for other shows, how is what you do for us the same or different than the other shows that you host? Well, I think in the ways that it's the same, I mean, it's an ag podcast. And I think part of what makes a podcast successful is is having some consistency and continuity. So, I mean, I applaud you, Casey, and your commitment to making this happen every week because having a consistent voice, especially someone who's, you know, the president of the USHBC and ABC is really what makes this something people want to commit to on a regular basis. So in that way, it's similar. Uh, ways that are different are, you know, you all really wanted to bring on the grower voice on a weekly basis through the crop report that is something I've never heard of in the industry of any commodity. I think it's probably unique to blueberries, to my knowledge, to have a podcast like that, that brings grower voices on every week to tell how the crop is doing. And I know, you know, for the business of blueberries, my first thought whenever I'm going into a new podcast is, do we have enough content here? And I think when we started and I was like, are we really going to do a weekly podcast about blueberries? Are we going to run out of things to talk about in six weeks? And it's been a huge learning experience for me as new to the industry to find out how much is going on. Just amazed at how much content we still have yet to share. So it's been cool to be a part of. Yeah. Well, it's been great to have your experience in that way. And just knowing that, you know, we weren't the only ones that jumped at the podcast as a platform in the middle of a global pandemic. So, you know, I don't know if, if in part some of the clients came to you for very similar reasons, but maybe you could share, if you can, just a little bit about the platform as you see it of podcasting generally. You know, obviously I took a big swing up because everybody needed new ways to reach their audiences. But before then, it was a platform on the rise. So, so where does podcasting in your mind fit going forward in all things that we could be doing to reach people? Well, I think it's a really good medium if you want to create more depth, you know, at scale, I guess you could say. You have plenty of places to post things, right? You've got Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and YouTube. There's, there's lots of places to post things and try to compete for eyeballs. But I think more than anything, a lot of us are feeling like there's enough noise out there. And so we want to be really selective with what we dedicate our attention to. And podcasts have just become a really good place for that. First of all, you can do it passively. So while you're driving in a pickup or in a tractor or working out or walking the dog. And secondly, it's you know, somebody's voice right in your ears, which is just a really sort of intimate type of experience where you're actually connecting with exactly the type of content that you want to. You know, you say at the top of every show, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. I think five years ago, that would have seemed crazy to have one dedicated to blueberry industry. But now you've got this thriving audience tuning in every week. And it's because of that connection, not because they need one more place to dedicate their attention. It's just a deeper connection than a lot of other you know, content opportunities that may exist out there. And I think we've seen that, you know, we have a growing audience, but more than anything, we have a responsive audience, which has really struck me about the blueberry industry. That's awesome. Well, I sure do enjoy your shows. And I've learned a lot from you in this first year, of course, not just in putting the shows together and hosting guests and that sort of thing. But, you know, if you haven't picked up on any of Tim's podcasts, certainly take a look at the show notes in today's episode. We'll put a links to a number of the shows where you can hear Tim and his other spheres of influence talking about agriculture. And so you do a great job and wouldn't have been as successful as I think we are 
uh, without your leadership on this show. But let's take a break here. In addition to Tim, you're also going to hear from Rod Cook, Alicia Adler, and Jill Schofield, who will all be regular contributors to season two of this podcast. But before we do, you probably know what time it is. It's time for our weekly crop report. That's right. Things are in full swing in a number of growing regions, and uh, we have a lot to report in light of the heat in the Pacific Northwest. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Matt McCree from New Jersey, Doug Kramer in Oregon, and Brian Sakuma in Washington. This was recorded on June 30th, 2021. This is Matt McCree reporting for New Jersey. Disease and pest pressure is under control. SWD is under control as well. Applying cover sprays when needed. Uh, most of the growing region is now through dew harvest, and we are working on the first round of blue crop. Trade varieties looks to start picking by the weekend. We still are at peak volume as of now. Labor is short, but we are getting it done with what labor is available. And that's all I have to report. So this is Doug Kramer. I'm reporting for Oregon. Oregon has gone through some very high heat in the last week. We had three days of of temperatures over 100 and two days with temperatures in the range of 115. We received significant damage on fruit that was blue. It seems like most of our varieties that had green fruit on them came through the heat okay uh, with minimal damage. Uh, There is a few exceptions to that. Aurora variety apparently doesn't hold up well at all. There's very significant damage in it, and it was all green fruit on that variety. It's a late season variety, so we were not harvesting it yet. Percentage of damage on what we know, what we're seeing on ripe fruit varies anywhere from 30% to 60% in those fields. We're trying to continue to pick the good fruit that's inside the bush and uh, trying to machine pick the damaged fruit off the bushes so that we can get going again. As you might expect, the disease and the insect pressure is low with all that heat, so that hasn't been a concern. Assessments on damage is continuing. I want to uh, reassure people that we're doing what we can for our employees. We did keep them out of the heat. I haven't heard any blueberry Uh, farm workers that have had any problems. And I'd like everybody to know that we do have good fruit left to ship. We might have a lull here for a week or two to get back out of the damaged fruit, and then we should be going again. Thank you. Yeah, this is Brian Sakuma from the state of Washington. We're located on the west side of the mountains. That tends to be a little bit more temperate climate because we're close to the water. Temperatures in our area, I mean, we got as high as probably the mid to high 90s. Uh, Further north, they probably broke 100. The southern southwest part of the the state is similar to the Oregon climates that that Doug had uh, referred to. Most of our fruit is just starting to turn blue. The dukes are probably starting to come on and maybe ready to pick. 
maybe the first part of this next week, we've noticed that the temperatures have accelerated the, the fruit ripening uh, on the west side. Normally, we're a little bit later in uh, to July before harvest, but it seems like it's coming fairly fast. I think the hot weather has provided, you know, the, the fruit to size down a lot more than normal due to that and potential damage due to the heat may have a negative uh, impact on yields. In eastern Washington, the temperatures of, you know, it's a pretty arid area, very hot. We had heard that they had hit temperatures in the mid to high teens the last few days, and it sounds like their temperatures are going to carry on at 100 degrees plus for the the better part of this week as well. So, I mean, we're hearing damages of up to 20 to 30 percent. I think a lot of it's not even assessed because the, the hot climate is continuing on through the week. And again, you know, the fruit is being harvested. We're thinking that there will be sort of a shift of fruit going from what was originally designated as fresh will end up on the freezer side of things. The fruit that they are able to pick is good quality, though if the continued heat hits them, I mean, there will be some shrivel and stuff, and that'll be... Uh, sent over to the process side of things. That's all I had. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers who take the time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry. We've made a snapshot view of the USDA data on production and price an online resource for everyone to access easily and quickly. So make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Okay, so we're back uh, with all of our guests here. So I'm going to just kind of go around Robin here now that we've got uh, our full team for this episode joining us here. But we've got Rod Cook. Rod, welcome. Great to see you. Have you join us today? Good to be here, Casey. Uh, excited to kind of go over a few things here on what we're seeing in our listener survey. We also have Vice President of Global Business Development, Alicia Adler, joining us on the show. Hi, Casey. Hi, Rod and Jill. Good to be here. So Jill's joined us. She's uh, our latest team member on the podcast, Director of Communications and Industry Relations. So welcome, Jill. Thanks so much. It's always great to be a part of the podcast. And I have to say, I'm always excited when we get to actually use our in-house podcast studio, which Alicia and I are using today. So always great to use that resource. Yes. Well, and hopefully now that things are starting to uh, kind of break loose, we'll have more guests come to our studio and our offices here in Folsom. So it's been great to work with all of you on this show. We heard from Tim at the top of the show, who's really done a great job of, of helping us put this together week to week. But one of the cornerstones of actually making this happen was the Innovation and Technology Committee of USHBC wanting to be able to inform the industry about innovation. And I think the way that you've been able to kind of bounce between different episodes of technology, we've we've handled both current affairs and, and some of the ongoing history of technology in our industry. But what we found in our listener survey was that 90% of listeners have selected technology for blueberry growers as the type of episodes that they most enjoyed. Have you been surprised at how popular these tech episodes have been? In all honesty, I haven't been really surprised, Casey. I mean, I think it does continue to drive their interest. It is something that we need because of uh, labor issues and efficiency issues. But by the same token, I think by their very nature, 
all agricultural people are interested in in applying mechanical means to solve their day-to-day problems. Yeah. Well, it, it may be a question too far to ask you, but you know, in terms of all the tech episodes we've done, which have been about 12, I believe, which stand out to you in your mind? I know this is going to be a little bit like picking your own children, but you know, which ones at least left a strong impression for you or the ones that, you know, you felt like you got the most feedback on that really struck you? Well, I'm, I'm not too far from the farm myself. And so, you know, uh, I think those issues we've had that involve harvesters, so Oxbow, Fine Field, the Burrow, those things I think are most adaptable to our growers and from that standpoint are kind of standouts. But by the same token, you do have, so I'm not going to give you a straight answer, you're right, (laughs) because (laughs) you do have those things that really are surprising. I mean, our program with with substrate planting and uh, the program with arrow farms and vertical farming, I mean, these things are not particularly applicable to most farms today, even in the reasonable future for most, and yet again, they saw very high levels of popularity. So those those have really surprised me. So I guess, you know, it's kind of a combination of what's most applicable and yet what are the surprises. And, and I think those are pretty interesting surprises and shows the vast array of interest across a very broad technical spectrum again. Well, and a credit to you for kind of grabbing that spectrum and being able to, you know, find ways to make it work in this format. Because again, where historically we've been able to get together and sit down and talk about these technologies in a bit of a roundtable, uh, the podcast created a platform where we're having to describe things. You know, maybe we share things in show notes and click people to YouTube. But you know, I know for me, it's been fascinating to, as Tim put it, be able to put these voices in your earbuds and let them kind of talk through what we're talking about, and just being able to, you know, have that vision be cast through this platform. You know, what would you say has been the show that's garnered the most feedback uh, out of all the shows that you've done on tech? Well, that's a tough one. I mean, I do hear from a number of growers and a number of the companies. I think it's easier for me to answer what's most satisfying. And it's those areas where maybe the technology wasn't actually being used when we did the interviews in Blueberries, but shortly thereafter, growers reached out to the companies that we introduced them to. And all of a sudden, we've got two or three of these guys that are now doing Blueberry projects on a pretty serious scale at times. And we continue to be getting some more companies interested because they are beginning to see that thing happening. So companies that have been, uh, you know, building sprayers perhaps, but not really for smaller crops like ours, they're mostly in tree fruit. And all of a sudden they're going, Hey, you know, maybe we need to be looking at the blueberry industry. And that's, that's really what the committee was striving for both educating our blueberry growers on what technology is out there, but, we found it really critical to be introducing the technology leaders to the blueberry industry and to better understand our needs. And that's, that's really satisfying because that's, that's really moving the, the scale a little bit and trying to really encourage people to begin to develop solutions for our day-to-day problems out there. Yeah. And I think that the tech episodes, you know, were originally kind of a a substitution for what was going to be the tech symposium in 2020. You know, now the ability to get together is coming back. We've got it set for Salem, Oregon uh, this fall, a full in-person hybrid tech symposium coming up. Can you share any details related to that yet? 
Yeah, a couple things. I mean, again, it's sort of work in progress, but we certainly have some design uh, segments together. You know, I mean, the world's changed a lot, even in the ag tech sector. And so this time around, we're sort of laying this out a little bit more like a crop year go. So we begin the session with things like pruning or pollination. Then we can go into field work, getting, you know, all the way up to ripe fruit and then go into the harvest and into the packing plant, those kind of deals. And so for each of those segments, then bringing in four or five technologies that are come to light that can be applied in each and every one of these segments. So, you know, laying it out a little bit in that manner would make it a little bit more user-friendly and give us a chance to really highlight individual technologies that are applicable all the way through the, the production year. Well, I'm excited about it. I know there's a lot of moving pieces in light of the circumstances out there in Oregon and just generally speaking for travel, that sort of thing, but it's going to be exciting. I think it also pulls together a lot of the efforts that you've been putting into bringing this information and these resources forward to the industry and and doing it in a in a big way. So I'm hoping we get a great amount of people able to feel comfortable about turning out. I would say in the few trips I've done so far that everybody's looking forward to getting together. So again, Rod, thank you for your leadership in helping put these episodes together over the course of the last year when getting together wasn't possible. And now as we get together, it's going to be great to have these resources made available for the industry to come hear more about all the big things that are happening or that can happen in the future ahead for blueberries. Thanks, folks. Well, I have sure enjoyed other conversations we've had with Rod and tech and innovation, but we have also found a kind of a sweet spot in content or episodes that we did in season one that describe international opportunities for blueberries. And so I had approached USHBC NABC Vice President of Global Business Development about doing just a little episode series. Let's do three. Let's see you know, what happens. We'll watch the data and insights. And I think we did one. And it was like, okay, we've got something here. And then one turned to two, of course, and we had three. And I, was, I had to go back to Alicia and say, look, I need you to do this all the time. And I need you to be prepared to bring one a month because, you know, once we got through India and South Korea and talked about global package groups, I mean, you're a hit, Alicia. I don't know how else to describe it. Thanks. Well, no, I mean, it has been exciting to see the feedback, there's been a range of feedback too. You know, you asked Rod kind of what people say or what he hears I'm, from the international episodes. It's been not only from industry, from growers who are learning more about markets, you know, where their fruit is ending up. There's a lot of optimism that I think has shown through about the export markets, especially in the past year, which was so challenging in so many ways. But also the foreign audiences, the feedback we've gotten from retailers, conversations I've been in where the podcast comes up and it catches me by surprise. I said, oh, yeah, that was in the podcast. So the industry beyond the U.S., the other side of it who buys and sells blueberries internationally has gotten a lot out of it as well. It has been encouraging. And, you know, part of what came out of the listener survey, which I think is attributable to both you and Rod's episodes, is that almost 75% of our listeners that responded said that the podcast helped them in their business in some way. So that kind of just blew my mind that, that the podcast is such an important part of 
those who provide us their survey responses, but who are listening as a representative body of that group saying that this podcast informs them to help tune their business and do and try and, and consider other things that the podcast has been a great resource. I think that's a pretty awesome consideration as we go forward from here on what people are expecting. It is. And I mean, one comment recently was from someone who's been in the industry for longer than I have. And they said that they learned something new, that there's still so much about the industry that they don't know. And it takes them outside of their own field, their own role within the industry to think about that greater context. And I think that goes back to what, you know, the real intention of the council is, is to have that holistic, comprehensive perspective and provide, you know, information and services to all aspects of the council. So in that way, I thought the podcast has really done its job in covering such a wide range of topics. And I'm just glad that there's an interest and an audience for the international programs, because there's a lot of really interesting, exciting things that are going on. And you're absolutely right to point that back to the vision of our organization, which USHBC would be the global leader in knowledge and programs and content used by the industry to grow the value of blueberries, which again, I think the podcast has really helped to reflect that vision and encourage people to participate in our program, which as you go forward, as you look to future opportunities to help those businesses and for those who are listening, where do you see opportunities on the business development side? I've been thinking about that just over the past several episodes that we've done. It's like, what can growers take from this or people that are listening? And I think, you know, it's not only the market opportunities and the volume and value going overseas, but how does it work? And are there ways that packers can export better or improve quality? What's going on in packaging, shipping that really influences the export markets beyond just the opportunities for selling? But then also, you know, we had a, a webinar actually with Chinese retailers two weeks ago. Um, we had our approved exporters that can ship fresh blueberries or they had to go through the approval and registration process in order to export to China. And then we also invited some of the buyers from the um, retail sector in China. And we have this really interesting dialogue about what they think needs to happen or their perception of blueberries in the U.S. industry. And we learned a lot. So what other perspective can we bring on, you know, for the industry to hear directly doing podcasts, especially these days, you can do a podcast from anywhere. And I think that would be interesting. So I think providing a little bit more technical insight into exporting would be interesting, similarly to how Rod does with his episodes in terms of the technology, but then also making sure we have a holistic perspective on the whole marketing process would be really interesting. That's where I think Tim brought up at the beginning of the show where he's thinking about like, well, how many episodes could you really do about this industry? Uh, but once you start to peel the onion back just on global business development, you start to find that there's episodes in India, there's episodes in these different countries, but then there's episodes inside the how-to, and then there's episodes inside kind of the relationships of trade between you know our growers and our marketers, I guess the supply chain, the logistics of getting there, and just you can see how you have to really kind of unpack some of this. And for those who have been in this business for decades and decades, but haven't considered exporting, it's just a big opportunity to hear from you directly, somebody whose whole focus is dedicated to these increasing export market opportunities. That's just fascinating. It's 
all been a great culmination of effort and work. So great job, Alicia. Thank you for being a co-host on these new international series of the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. Thank you, Alicia, for our marketing boost. So be sure to stay tuned for more what's to come for the next season of the Business of Blueberries. But for now, here is USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks, Casey. Today, I'd like to talk about the importance of content and resonating with your audience. Have you ever started to read or listen to something and realize in just a few seconds, yeah, this doesn't apply to me. And what do we do? Move on. In today's fast-paced and information-flooded environment, content is king. If we want to relate to our audience, we have to know who they are and what they like to keep their attention. We also know that communities want to be inspired, educated, and engaged. And that's why, to enhance the user experience, USHBC recently revamped and relaunched our websites, specifically tailored to consumers, health professionals, and food professionals to promote all things Blueberry in a way that relates to them. How can you, as a grower, supplier, or marketer, benefit? Check out Blueberry.org. The new site, which first points to the consumer, features mouthwatering photography, health and nutrition information, how-to tips, advice, and recipes, and smart navigation, all designed to draw the user in and keep them engaged. Everything the consumer wants to know about blueberries is at their fingertips. You can point to different parts of the site in your social media, e-newsletters, and from your own website. Your audiences will appreciate you for providing them with interesting and relevant information and consider you an invaluable resource to follow. I'll cover our other audience-specific websites in another episode. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership, as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Casey, back to you. Thanks, Jenny. We are lucky to have Jenny join us this past year as our Vice President of Marketing Communications. And of course, another addition to our team we are very excited about is our Director of Communications and Industry Relations, Jill Schofield. Jill and I have been eager to get out on the road and visit with blueberry growers. And boy, we've done that in recent weeks as things have opened back up. We've recently visited Michigan on one trip and then down to Georgia and Florida on another and really trying to make up for lost time when it comes to seeing people face to face. So Jill, you've joined me for uh, a couple trips now. How are you feeling about how these first two trips have been for you? You know, we've talked about Casey, how there just is no replacement for that face to face interaction. And coming on as a relatively new team member, I just commend the whole team here for how well you've maintained that really effective communication and engagement with the industry during this, you know, unprecedented time. But it has been really nice to get back out into the field, literally and figuratively, and, you know, connect with our growers in our industry. And I think there are things for me uh, learning every day about the blueberry industry that you just don't get from a, a Zoom call or a webinar. So being able to understand you know, both the challenges and the opportunities that the industry is facing for different reasons in different parts of the country. Also seeing what that unique blueberry culture is in different parts of the country, that has been really insightful too. So it's, you know, selfishly speaking, been very educational for me. But I also hope at the end of the day, you know, our industry is excited to have these meetings and to be able to engage in these kinds of face-to-face -face meetings and interactions that you know, I think helps us broaden our conversations about how we all can work more effectively together moving forward for the greater good of the industry. 
Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, for you to get a sense of what they're listening for and just what value they recognize USHPC brings. And, and then again, how that translates to our podcast is, you know, more of that. We do a lot of things. This has been, I think the thing coming into this position that has been impressed upon me is that we do so many things in some ways that people don't realize that needs to come out. And the podcast has been a great way for us to share those things that otherwise get lost between meetings. And so each week we're bringing something new that people really care about, but it's because, you know, their money's being invested. These things are happening and I think people really do care. And so what you're hearing is certainly a lot about what growers care about. So let's talk specifically as you know, you come on board, there's a couple things that you're jumping into as the director of communications. You're one, taking a hard look at some of the data, like we've been talking about throughout the show today is just, you know, who's listening, who cares, what's most important. Uh, it's not just for our podcast, you're doing it across, you know, the newsletters, and the websites and everything that we do in communications for the industry. But we did this listener survey, you know, to your credit. And I think the effort going ahead for all these types of things is we're listening to our listeners about what they're looking for. But what stood out to you about the results we got from this survey? Is there something that, you know, either a response or one of the statistics from the aggregated data that strikes you? Yeah, you know, and we've touched on this a couple of times, but one thing that really jumped out was just the sheer number of folks who said that this podcast helps them in their business. And so this is beyond just sort of an informative or even entertaining type of communication platform. People are really taking things from this podcast that helps them in their day-to-day operation. And I think, you know, coming at this from an industry relations perspective, that's very encouraging. I think that shows um, a relevancy of, of information and content that we're providing that, you know, I think we need to continue to strive for. And that's another piece of the, the listener survey is, you know, I think a broad cross-section of types of folks in the industry are listening to this. And what you hear or, or saw through the survey is that they like the diversity of content that's being provided. So, you know, a grower episode may not be as relevant to, to someone else in a different part of the industry, but hearing those voices and the diversity of, of topics seems to really go a long way with the loyal listenership that we we certainly enjoy. So, to me, I think that's been helpful. And it's kind of shown, you know, Tim talked about it earlier is that, you know, there's not necessarily one big thing we have to change or or adapt in this podcast. There seem to be a lot of things that are working. So I think for us moving into season two, it's really continuing to make that content more compelling and do it in different ways that kind of engages the listenership a little bit more. And, you know, we were just down in, in Georgia and uh, being able to record a podcast in a blueberry field and, and have some of the ambient noise behind you and, and have the conversation in that setting. That's kind of a unique thing that I hope we can do more of. And so, you know, I think that so much great work has been done and, and people seem to enjoy it, but there's still some fun things that we can do to to just make it even better moving forward. You know, I think as we go from here, we're going to keep listening. And Jill, it was certainly fun to introduce you on episode 43, where people got to know you and know you here as you take on this new role. But you're clearly a natural podcaster, and I'm hoping we can continue to have you join me for more co-hosting of episodes in the year to come. But what do you specifically hope to bring to the podcast going forward? Well, thank you, Casey. I actually have to say this has been my podcast debut. So I, I appreciate that compliment because coming on board, I was 
worried I wouldn't make the cut. So I'm, I'm glad I'm able to be a part of this podcast moving forward. But, um, you know, it kind of spoke to the fact that, you know, bringing some more unique elements and being able to really be sort of an on the ground reporter when it comes to the podcast, certainly in busy times for our industry would be great. Um, and we're, we're starting to do a little bit of that. And then really talking about the specific issues or, or culture or, you know, what's happening on the ground within specific states and regions and, and working with our partners in, the, in those states to, you know, bring content based on, on what's happening there locally. So I think a little bit of continued focus on some of that local grower-driven content to really balance out the great technical information, um, the global information that Alicia's bringing to continue to add to that diversity of the content that we're bringing. So I think we have some opportunity to have fun with it a little bit uh, and experiment a little bit and, and, you know, hopefully continue bringing people back every week to hear what's going on. Amen. Well, again, I'm looking forward to working on that with you and inspired to do so based on all this feedback we've gotten over the couple of weeks that we've had this listener survey open. But, you know, as we wrap up here, I do want to say that we still have that survey open. So we'll, we'll put that in there. We're not done listening. Uh, we wanted to be able to, you know, make sure that we shared what we have heard. But if you have some more you'd like to share with us, that podcast link is open. That's where you can respond to Alicia or myself or Tim or Jill Rod directly about ideas you might have, but just give us more feedback. We're open to hearing more about where you'd like to see this show go in season two. And you can hear some of the changes that we're thinking about making, but mostly really staying on track with what has been a successful year one for our podcast. So thanks so much for listening. As you know, We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on The Business of Blueberries. And can I say one more thing too? No more things. You can't say any more things. No more. No more things. No, of course. Go on. One interesting thing was that buyers internationally listen to the crop report.